0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to the next interview in my Successful Entrepreneur's Stories series. It's my really great pleasure today to introduce you to a new friend of mine, chap by the name of Mark Cottle. Now, as you know, I'm a New Zealander, a Kiwi, and he's an Aussie, and there's a bit of banter that goes on between the Kiwis and the Aussies, and Mark, I think you might be the very first Australian I've actually um, interviewed, but I won't hold that against you, because Mark has a really interesting story to tell, and he is an accountant, as he will shortly tell you. But what I'm really interested in is how he's disrupted the highly capital-intensive accountancy profession in Australia. And when I talk about capital intensive, I'm talking about people that in order for an accounting practice to grow, it needs more staff, and that can be very costly uh, in terms of employing someone and the time that's spent training them to bring them up to speed in order to uh, get get great productivity out of them. So Mark and his business partner came up with an amazing uh, new and different business model that has worked incredibly well for them, and I've asked him to share that story with you today. So Mark, my Aussie friend, welcome, and I look forward to talking to you today. Thank you for agreeing to be my guest.
1: Hey Adele, no, this is going to be an excellent conversation, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Oh, excellent. Now Mark, firstly, would you please tell our listeners about your career and how you came to be an entrepreneur and one of the founders of Frontline Accounting and the other business, Diane
1: Pendle. Sure. I I have a funny feeling the entrepreneurial bug is actually, uh, I think I might have been born with it, but I I left school when I was very young and uh, I don't know what the equivalent is in the UK, but I left when I was about 15 years old and uh, had enough of that and wanted to go and work. So I went out and I, I, in the next 10, 10, 15 years, name a job and I've probably done it. Um, But then ultimately I I was in a, a marriage and I had a couple of kids and uh, needed some more money, so I decided to have a crack at a proper career, so I did accounting and went to university as a mature age student. I did it from home and uh, so I never attended one single lecture throughout the entire degree. really ended up yeah yeah so um, fairly self driven and was quite happy to sit at home reading textbooks and um, had to sit the exams under supervision, so it was a legitimate. Uh, degrees through open learning, which I don't know if they have that over in the UK. but uh, They have um, Open
0: University, yeah. Right, like That's, it.
1: that's yep. yeah, it ended up rebranding later on, that's correct. So I ended up getting an accounting degree through that and uh, got a graduate job as an auditor. And uh, funnily enough, which surprised me, I actually enjoyed it. I loved digging into the guts of different businesses, seeing how they worked and what works and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, and then I did that for a few years and then I ended up becoming a financial controller of a NASDAQ-listed subsidiary in Australia uh, in technology uh, company, um, infrared cameras and things like that. And I did that for about one year, and I I was bored to tears with the... the, Yeah, it was just the same thing every month, and it was just... It was killing me. But during that year, they sent me all over the world for different training and things like that, and I hadn't travelled much up to that point, and that really opened my eyes. And that's really... I caught the travel bug, and at the end of that year, that's when I decided along with a, a friend of mine, to launch Frontline Accounting. And uh, and that's really that's how it got started, and we ended up launching a second business a couple of years ago, and uh, now it's been a really interesting ride.
0: So tell me about um, the two businesses. Frontline Accounting, I think, is a fairly stock-standard accounting practice, or was, mm. it was set up that way. So tell me about establishing that and how you've disrupted the, the profession through that business and and how that led to your other business
1: yeah what happened we when we decided to establish frontline accounting i, I at the time it was in 2011 and zero accounting software was starting to take off in australia a good and, new
0: zealand company
1: mm-hmm, yep yeah, absolutely then so the kiwis are a couple of years ahead of the aussies and uh having been over the uk now well my fourth trip coming up next month um in the last 12 months, uh, I can say the, the Brits are a couple of years behind the Aussies. So the Kiwis have got it over everybody. So um, what happened is I, I was aware of, uh, in the Philippines, I was aware of the lower cost of labour. So um, I, I knew of these things called VAs or the virtual assistants that will work various administrative type tasks for you uh, remotely from um, yeah, offshore. and. I, I just, I guess I married this idea up in my head that maybe I could run an accounting team, so not VAs, but hire accountants in this lower-cost country and, and run zero software because it was cloud-based, which was just, you know, that was very uh, revolutionary back in 2011. It was quite quite a thing. And um, so I I did that, and we you know, we, we had people even, uh, I had a leading business coach in Australia tell me not to do that, you know to go to India and do a proper outsource thing, but what we were doing was setting up a different model. Um, I could explain it. So, a lot of people look at it and think it's, it's outsourcing, and we've always said, well, no, it's not. What we're doing is, to call, I call it offshoring. So, because you can outsource a task even within your own country. You know, you could have, and, and I know accountants in the UK doing that now where they, they're running an accounting practice, but they're outsourcing the payroll function to some other other specialist within the UK what we're, and so with outsourcing it's really hand, handballing the entire task and the responsibility the task to somebody else what we're doing is offshoring so we are we are hiring staff in, in a lower cost country but they're working directly for us they're part of our team they're treated the same they could be working in the next room and you wouldn't know because of the way we use technology these days mm. so that model is called staff leasing so we engaged a provider in the Philippines, and we hired somebody through that, and they were treated just like our own staff would be if we had them in Australia. And so we built our accounting firm on the back of this, this model, this offshoring model, if you will. And as it went along, we got a bit more well-known for what we were doing um, you know, within the accounting industry, and I started having other accounting firms asking me to help them set up teams in the Philippines like what I'd done for my own firm. Oh, so just
0: before you go on, so how big yep. a team did you set up for yourself before you started doing it for others?
1: We only had three staff before we started doing it for others. Right, okay, right.
0: Yep. So, yeah, not a huge business, but, but oh. no, then the story continues, yes, okay.
1: Right. And so as it went along, we had other firms asking us to do the same thing for them. And I, I didn't want to know about it at first, but one thing led to another and we were incorporated in the Philippines. I had 14 empty seats in my office that we had and I thought, okay, let's let some firms come in and they can put some staff here. And, and my, my idea was it'll simply just be a little bit of extra revenue for us, it might, it might pay the rent, it was never meant to be anything big. And what happened was over the subsequent 12 months, uh, we, and so this was last year, we went from those three staff on my own team to uh, a total of 72 in the one year and that, that's a combination of increase in my own team which is now six, we've got 16 in my own team now. Uh, and then a, a bunch of other firms coming and joining us. And as of today, we're about, I think we're about 106 people now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's gone crazy. And then, yeah, we've recently started uh, talking to guys over in the UK as well and trying to duplicate it over there.
0: So let's just uh, unpack that a little bit. Sure. So the, the Australian accounting firms that are going through you to find these their staff in the low cost economy. Um, how many staff would they typically have uh, in this model working for them remotely? Is it you know three or four um, again, or some of them bigger than that?
1: Yeah, no, it's a big it's a big variable. So because remember when I I only had three staff, our accounting firm was a start startup as well. So we've basically started two businesses from scratch with nothing. So the accounting, our accounting firm in Australia, is not considered big. But out of the 106 staff that are in there now, that the teams vary from one employee right through to the biggest is 15. So and everything in the middle. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty variable. It depends on the firm in Australia how big they are, what they need. How how adventurous they are, you know. Some of them some of them are conservative and don't want to really commit too heavily at this point, and others are just going in boots and boots and all with it.
0: So I guess what you're saying is that the the model, the leasing of staff and having them working remotely but on your team, mm-hmm. is is flexible. You could have just one staff, and as you know, I'm thinking about doing that for not so much accounting, but but some other work through you, yes, uh, yes. where I would only need one person, or equally an accountant. Uh, in Australia or the UK, where you're also targeting, could have their whole processing team, accounting processing team, which could be one through to X number. It's up, to, really, up to the size of their the accountant's uh, aspirations and and size of their business. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Um, well, I've I've always recommended because uh, I mean, look, I've one of my problems here is I've, I've never had anybody guide me on how to do this correctly. I've learned it all myself. And so we've made every mistake you can make. And one of my mistakes was actually starting with one accountant. And, there, and for me, maybe I'm a slow learner, but it took me a while to realise, hang on, I've just put a whole lot of time and effort into training this girl. What if she leaves? I'm back to square one. It's not like I can just hire someone else in and you know, transplant the knowledge she has. So I recommend all the accounting firms and they're hiring accountants to put on two at a minimum, because and there's a couple of different reasons. One is you've got redundancy in the process. Then, so if one of them happens to leave or get sick or something happens, um, you've got a second person there that is you know, going to keep going on, and you're not going to lose your investment of training them. Um, mm. sec- second issue is they will they will learn more quickly when there's two of them together. So, uh, you know, they can bounce off each other and. Uh, you know, work, out, work through issues and things before they need to go back to you to ask questions. Uh, and the third reason, funnily enough, is they can actually be a bit lonely if they're on their own. So, you know, while we've got 100 staff there, it's a huge team, they're all working as smaller teams for each different employer overseas. Mm. Uh, and we have had it where one accountant was hired earlier on and, you know, she, she felt a bit lonely. So that, that team's got seven in it now. But um, so... Yeah, They're they're my recommendations around it for administrative type of work like what we were talking about the other day. It's not such a big deal because to train somebody in that isn't as difficult as training up an accountant. Uh, It's just much more technical with the accounting.
0: And I'm guessing most of the accounting practices that that are working with you are uh, training their bookkeeper data entry, lower level accounting staff. I could be wrong in saying that, so correct me if I'm wrong. Would this idea work for someone, or for an accounting practice that is more specialised? Say, for instance, someone that does um, specialist tax advisory here, or in the UK or Australia, yep. and that they want to outsource the the lower level work, or, or not outsource, but work yep. this model rather.
1: Yep. So that that's that's an in- interesting issue. So we've had um, the short the short answer is we've got staff doing everything from rights from data entry right through to complex tax work and everything in between and but in the Philippines and, and this is this is really important for people when they when I talk to them is they need to understand that in the Philippines this is very new um, if you go to India for example you you're going to find people there that understand how to do UK tax or Australian tax and things like that they've been doing it for a long time it's it's new in the Philippines for that like we, We very much pioneered this here in the Philippines. Uh, And based on my discussions with UK firms and also just our recruiting in general, like we had over 7,000 people apply to work with us last year. Um, None of them had Australian tax experience, for example. So we need to train those country-specific tasks into the staff so they can come to us. They'll understand reconciliations. They'll understand the debits and credits. Some of them are going to be CPA qualified. They've all got a college degree in accounting but they're not going to know anything about our country-specific rules. So when it comes to tax, you need to be willing to train them on that stuff, just like any other employee. So in terms of the, the result and how that, how that falls out later, is, um, we've got, like in my own team, in my own accounting team for my firm, we, we have our staff doing all sorts of different tax matters and things like that, just like the staff would in Australia. But we train them to do that. I've got an accounting firm in North Queensland that rang me a couple of months ago and he was telling me about his, he's got three staff with us and one, one of them, it's a girl in her early 20s, she's been there for about 12 months with us um, and he was telling me she's doing complex tax matters for him and she's doing a better job than some of his staff with eight years of experience in Australia and that's just one year with us. So, there's, And there's story, lots of stories all the way through, all the different types of roles, so they're, they're doing everything in there.
0: I think the key here is to understand that you're not outsourcing your workers to some other organisation.
1: Right.
0: It's it's different. These are your staff. They are your responsibility, and therefore it is your responsibility as mm-hmm. as the accountant, not, not you, Mark, but the accountant yep. that works with you, to train these people in the areas that you want them to work in. So there is going to be an investment of, time and training and support as there would be if you had a new staff member coming and sitting in your office in, in your local workplace, right?
1: Exactly. Um, this, this is not, what the model we're offering is not a, a short-term fix to your workflow problems in your firm, if, if that's what's happening in an accounting firm. It's, this is not that model. And whenever I talk to firms and they have that issue, I just direct them to go and talk to the guys in India or there's other ones in Vietnam. But what we're running is a model that will enable a firm or any business, really, but if we talk about accountants, it's about positioning your firm for the future. And a lot of firms have their head in the sand about you know, what's going on out there in the, in the market. And you know, tech, technology and the global workforce is a, is a game changer. Yeah? Mm. So this is really a long-term project. And if you're coming into it looking for a quick return, you're just going to be disappointed.
0: Hmm. So, why did you select the Philippines? Like you said, there are you know, outsourcing is, is, a, is commonplace. Yep. And you could have gone to India, where you could have applied this model—not the outsourcing, but your model—in India or Vietnam. Like you said, yes. why did you choose the Philippines?
1: For me, when I was in Australia, uh, I, I ran the numbers. So back in 2011, I did a cost comparison between doing something like this in India versus uh, the Philippines, and it worked out to be about half. The cost of what it would have been in India, so it's significantly cheaper in the Philippines. The English is way better in the Philippines. Uh, it's a very Americanized culture here. It's not like it's not like other Asian countries here. It's it's got a heavy American influence. So uh, there are areas I can be in here where I don't even know. I'm, I don't. I wouldn't know I'm in Asia. It's just it's very Western. Um, so you've got very strong English, lower cost. Uh, for me personally, I mean, I, it's closer to Australia than India. So that was you know, one of one of the factors, although not a, not a big factor but one of them. Um, and I, I just prefer if I'm going to be traveling this is I prefer to have gone here than India that, but they're personal preferences you know the big ones and interestingly the big ones are here uh, not only in Australia. So it's interesting the guys in the UK, all the guys I talk to there, they have exactly the same problems as the guys in Australia. And that includes the same problems as when they tried outsourcing in India. They, they had problems with the English, they had problems with time zones, all sorts of things like that. So, whereas what we're doing it basically eliminates all those issues.
0: So the Philippines time zone to UK means if they wanted staff working real time in a regular London or UK day, what what time would that be in Philippines?
1: About three till eleven p.m. So it's not a okay, it's so not an ugly it's not totally, yeah. uh, it's not a graveyard.
0: Not
1: Yeah, some of the graveyard. Yeah, they they actually prefer it because the traffic in Manila is close enough to being the worst traffic on the planet. It's a very very congested city to be in, and so some of the staff would prefer to be on that afternoon shift when they can uh, avoid a lot of those traffic problems. Mm, okay, it's
0: fascinating, really interesting. So tell me, it can't have been that easy setting up. Uh, a brand new business, uh, firstly just for your accounting firm and then in this other piece, in in the Philippines. Give me some of the curly stories that you've had to to work your way through. (laughs) I'll
1: I'll give you some of them but we're being recorded so I may not give you all of them here. but, um, (laughs) But look, the reality is we're in a third world country here in the Philippines and one of the biggest problems I've personally had through running this, I've been here for four years now myself and I still have this problem now, although I'm always trying to overcome it, is I keep bringing my Australian view of the world and expecting that to be reality here, and it's just not. Like, I'll look at things, I'll get frustrated with processes and just dumb stuff, because it's like stepping back into the 1970s when you try and operate in the Philippines, and uh, Sorry, Mark, no. you, walk,
0: you walked in, You walked. into that one. Aussies do that everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. I'm a Kiwi, yeah. so a um, yeah. some of my listeners not, might not quite appreciate the banter that goes on between the Aussies and the Kiwis. But, <laughs> <yeah>. feeling, but <laughs> You try. You guys try it right. on all the time, just, wherever you are, but carry on.
1: <laughs> you're just an ex-Australian state over there. Don't worry about it. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> seriously, the... the Look, let me give you some examples here. Um, my biggest, the first problem I faced was just incorporating a company here. So I, um, I have no local knowledge. So in Australia, I can incorporate a company through my accounting firm for our clients in about eight minutes. In the Philippines, it took me eight months and it, it was hard. It was blood, sweat and tears. It was I literally had to take staff out of my accounting practice and pull them across from the client work into just dealing with this incorporation. And trying to find competent lawyers is difficult. Trying to find quality advice is difficult. Um, I had no guidance here. It's literally like stepping back in the 70s. Let me give you an example around banking here. Uh, Now, I've overcome all this now, but I've I've been doing it a while. But early on, for me to do certain banking things, so I don't know what the banks are in the UK, but let's say you've got two different banks. So in Australia, we've got Commonwealth Bank and National Bank, for example. I'm unable to transfer money between those banks here on the internet. So many times I would have to get into the bank, take a a massive cash withdrawal from our account, they would put it on the counter, you'd be counting it in front of everybody in the bank. Uh, I mean, look, we could talk for days about this stuff, but, uh, and then I would literally put it all into an envelope, this big cash uh, parcel, shove it down my pants. Walk, walk as quickly as I could to the next bank and make a deposit there. That's how I had to do my banking in the early days. So it's, I've, I've, I've overcome all that now. I don't have to do that anymore. But look, that's if you don't know what you're doing here, that's that's the reality of, um, you know, other issues in the Philippines is service, service is not what it is in a first world country, you know. Um, internet, you know, internet might go down. And I, I, used, I sometimes had to take my team and go and work in an internet cafe because we our internet went down, like I had a guy, this was a funny one, we had a guy come and do um, some repairs on, on the building's internet overnight one time, and he, he it was clock off time, he went home, didn't bother finishing his job, so he left the whole building with no internet the next day and just went home. Yeah. I said, oh man, like, oh, i tear my hair out with this stuff. So, but that's, <laughs> that is the reality, that is the reality that is trying to run a business here. It's not the same for people that are trying to put staff here. Like, you know, like the firms, that's different. I'm the guy running the business behind it. It's a a really tough game and you've got a lot of corruption and other things that go on behind the scenes here. That's just, it's, it's not the textbook stuff you read about in college.
0: I guess the point is that you're dealing with the the, the business end, yeah. um, and making it easy for your clients just to get on and have great staff who right. happen to be working remotely, right. and they don't deal with any of that. So yeah, right.
1: There's, get that. there's only two things they have to worry about: train the staff and manage their workflow. So make sure you, then you know what yeah. they're doing and treat them like any other employee. What we do and
0: pay their bill, and pay their monthly bill to you, so you can pay the staff, right?
1: Exactly. Don't pay my invoice, I will kick you out in a few days. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, well let's yeah. keep moving on. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So in many respects you're disrupting the accounting profession, and you know I'm a trained accountant, as, as you know, I'm F- FCA. Um, are you meeting with resistance from, say, the, the accounting bodies uh, in, in Australia or Britain, where, where I know mm-hmm. you, you're, you're focusing?
1: I, I expected we would, but so far no. Uh, Mm. I, 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 look, for, for me, technology and, and the global workforce, this is huge. This is a game changer for not only accounting yep. but I- any white-collar role, like, is up for grabs now. Mm. Uh, I don't know about the UK, but in Australia, like, we saw the, the disappearance of the, say, the, the call centre industry, you know, that, mm. that exists here in the Philippines. Like, in the area I am right now, I'm surrounded by Australian, huge Australian companies, you know, um, and I'm sure it's the same for the guys over in the UK. But... When we started our accounting firm, so my business partner, he's probably a bit more conservative than me. He's probably a bit of a typical accountant. I'm not really a typical accountant, and he wasn't. We we sort of argued a little bit about whether we would disclose to clients coming in, hey, look, when we do your tax work, we're going to have our team in the Philippines do it. He didn't. He wasn't sure. He wasn't quite comfortable with the whole idea. I didn't care. I just don't care what people think, and so. I would go into prospective client meetings and just say, look, this is, this is our model. We've got a team in the Philippines. This is how we do stuff. And you know what? Not one single business, not one single business has ever cared less. They don't care. As long as they're getting value for what they're paying for, yep. they're happy.
0: Quality of output. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, deliver- it's about delivery. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. It's really good to know. So what are the st- uh, key strategic goals for frontline accounting and and Diane pendle the, the business over the next say, two years?
1: Yep. So with... With the accounting firm, we're actually about to do a massive remodel on that. What we've discovered, um, it's top secret stuff, okay? Um, what, we've, <laughs> what we've discovered, so like, we're, we're real innovators and we don't know we're really innovating until you're down the track a bit and you realise, hey, that, that actually works really well. So what we've offered the market in the last couple of years in Australia is we're calling it a virtual management accounting service. And so we're basically taking the bookkeeping, the month-end report and the analysis, the tax, Everything we're taking it off the owner's business owner's hands and we're doing it all in house and we we 're really ho- holding the hands along the way, cleaning up a lot of mess. Yeah, a lot of businesses are not in a good condition and they come to us and we fix it all up and and, and get them moving in the right direction and so we're actually about to remodel our accounting firm where that is all we offer instead of having you, know, you go to any accountant you't you can't set them apart one from the other they all look the same and so we're, we're we're literally just going to offer that high end. You know, we've got about right now for that five companies paying us anywhere from twenty to thirty-five thousand dollars a year to do that service, and it's it's just as it's no more difficult than some of our very cheap end clients. You know, the ones who you just they're just hard. Some of those people are just hard work to deal with. So mm-hmm. we're we're discovering we really like working with these guys. It's a service that now the market really wants. So we're we're going to do that, and as far as the the Philippines business goes to the outsourcing stuff. is, um, my focus is going to be on the UK. Like the Australian stuff is just growing on its own through referrals and organic growth. So that's that's my focus over the next couple of years.
0: And uh, in approaching the UK and offering this model to UK accountants, are they embracing it?
1: No, so far, no, they're not. <laughs> they're all, they're, what they're doing, they're doing the typical accountant thing. And a lot of Aussies did this as well. They look at it and they go, that's a great idea. Like I really think we we should look at this, but then when when it come, when the rubber meets the road, every they get busy you know the accountants just get busy. Mm-hmm. stick their head in the sand and, and they just keep trotting along like usual but yeah we've, we've got we've got a few looking at it really closely and we've got a, got some coming on, and uh we've got you know, a guy signed up recently and he's they've already got their employee zero certified they they're really so yeah i I'd, I'd say they haven't embraced it yet but the other issue with that is they're all looking at it from an Indian perspective they come up to me and they're they're talking about their, their bad experience in India. So I'm firstly mm. trying to overcome that, and then I've got to re-educate mm. them on this alternative model that we're running when they keep thinking outsourcing. It's, no, it's not, that's not what we do. Um, mm. So it's taking longer, but I'd say we're, I reckon we're about to really take off soon. Oh, excellent. Mm.
0: So what have been your biggest or most pleasurable business successes to date?
1: Let's okay. We, we picked up an award for innovation a couple of years ago. I, that was really cool. Like, yeah, out of 200-plus firms in Australia, we were awarded, awarded the most innovative. Um, and then the next year we were runner-up for the same award and we have also runner-up in the best place to work, runner-up in, uh, what was it, the best community service. Thing was. We do a lot of outreach here in the Philippines as well. Um, we recently passed 100 staff. That was a massive milestone for us. That was really cool. And uh, we celebrated and we bought the, all the staff a, a big... Filipino lunch and it disappeared in seconds. I, it was like a like a storm had just gone through the kitchen when all the food had disappeared. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the biggest thing that I, I enjoy watching is watching the staff develop their careers and seeing the opportunities. Like, um, it's in the Philippines, the, the money they earn from working for us doesn't just go to them, it goes into the family. And so we actually get to literally watch families improve their circumstances. It's like like um, it's it's raising up a, a new middle class in in the country here, and that's what this industry does and so yeah, it's really cool to watch that stuff oh, beautiful mm.
0: so based on your own entrepreneurial success, experience success journey today, if you had three pieces of uh, advice key advice to to give a person setting up a a small business, whether it be an accounting or, or general what would it be
1: okay <coughs> I'm going to give you three and I'm going to give you a bonus one as well, all right? I got, yeah, yeah. This, and, and I I think a lot of advice, they often talk about sales and marketing and things like that. I, I'm i going to talk about, I often think businesses need to be a lot more frugal with their cash and they need to guard their cash much more carefully. And, Because um, so, if you do that, you're unlikely to run into major problems as you develop your business. Like if, if you don't have any debt and you're not relying on people and your costs are low, your stress level's a lot lower and your risk is a lot lower. And for our business, we we don't run debtors. Like, pretty much everything we do is paid up front. And so I, it, because of that, I very rarely run into any problems with collecting cash. Um, so that that's critical, and I, I, I think businesses should take that seriously and not not really loosen up the purse strings until much later down the track, then we're fully capitalised. You know, a few months of working capital in the bank and in a really strong position, then look at it. But most businesses don't get to that point. They're just often floundering around back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing I'd say is um, don't try to be all things to all people. Um, you, know, you you set the rules in your business, not your clients. Uh, you know, I, I regularly turn prospective clients away if they're not a perfect fit for what we do. and you know, But I do, I do it in such a way that I always try to guide them to what is a good fit for them. Like I said earlier, I often send Accounting firms to India say, so, "Look, this what we do isn't a good fit for you, but I suggest you try this." So I'm not going to just take on anybody. Um, you know pe- people I think people like to buy from who they know, know, like, and trust, right? Well, mm-hmm. we we sell the same way. Like, I don't, I just don't deal with people I don't want to deal with. And um, you know, I was in the UK recently. We uh, I, I was doing an exhibition at a, at a show there called Accountex in London, and I was standing there for two days. It was, oh, it was horrific, I can tell you. Um, but I, I, had a, I had a guy come up to me saying, oh, how much per hour? I said, no, 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 that's not what we do, mate. We set up teams in the Philippines. It's full-time teams. We, I don't know, how much for a tax return? I'm like, no, 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 That's no, it's not what we do. And it was not <laughs> going to So what I did, I actually... I next! Li- I, I literally walked the guy around to the Indian outsources. And I got back to my stand and the guy next to me on another stand, he goes did you just escort somebody away from your stand? And I said, mate, I don't deal with idiots. I just can't. I can't do it, mate. So, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that's the thing. Don't try and be all things to all people. Just know what you're good at and stick with it. Um, third thing I'd say is cut the BS. Like, seriously, just be honest with your clients. Be honest with your staff. Be transparent. There is so much crap in the marketplace. And, I mean, I see it all the time here in the Philippines. And I, I'm a real straight shooter, like, and I don't mince the words with anybody um, and they just, they just get the real deal when they talk to me. And I often have prospective clients come back to me, and whether they come on with me or not doesn't matter to me. But they often come back to me and say, "Just yeah, thank you for for giving me the straight, the the truth." Because they've done this, maybe they've been around the Philippines, they've looked at different business operations, and they just get fed rubbish. They really do. And I, I see it all the time. So just just cut the BS. Be honest with everybody you deal with, and just be straight about stuff. Uh, and that's that's really worked wonders for us. And I, I know our business has grown, and we've picked up clients because of that approach. Um, the find my bonus point: be yourself. Like when you're trying to build your business, don't try and be somebody you're not. Like for me, I'm I'm so politically incorrect. It's embarrassing for people around me sometimes. Um, I swear all day. I like yeah, what Australia. What Australian doesn't? But <laughs> I, but but I really I wear my heart on my sleeve. I just. I have no filter around my mouth. I just if I think it, I'm going to say it. And you know, who wants to try and live their life trying to be someone they're not? So, again, look, I, that's how uh, those, those four things there, that's made a massive difference in our business. So forget about all your marketing and sales and all your techniques and tricks. Get to the basics there and, it, yeah, you get a – I reckon most business owners will get such a better outcome.
0: Brilliant. And one final question. I'm hoping you're planning to be 101 years (laughs) old, just as I am. And I don't know how old you are, so I don't know if we're going to be doing it together. uh, Mentally, (laughs) please. Well, both, both, both. Um, So when you're 101 sitting in your rocking chair, reflecting on the life that's gone before you, what will give you cause or greatest cause to smile about the life that you've had?
1: Well, that, that question suggests that I'm going to be looking back and reflecting. I, re- I reckon when I'm 101, I'm probably going to be mapping out the next 50 years of my life. I um, totally agree. I'm I yeah. to be working when I'm
0: 101. I, yeah. I, well, we'll be doing it together. Let's have another Skype yeah, call.
1: Here. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, look, if I could sum it up, I'd just say I, do, I live my life my way. I just, I, I'm shocking at following rules. I just, if I see a set of rules, I'll go the other way. I, I'm a horrible th- at stuff, and so, and, and look, it's it's working out okay for us now, you know. I do it my way, and I don't do it. I don't live how other people think I should live.
0: Well, I guess that's the point. You've disrupted an industry by not following the rules, and you're doing incredibly well. And you're supporting other accounting firms in in Australia and the UK yes. to do the same, and and that leads to those businesses being a lot more financially successful, I would guess. And you are also contributing to a low-income economy and making a real difference in the lives of of people who have got accounting skills and qualifications that that are looking for great opportunities to use those skills from their country, because like you say, it's a very family-oriented country. And so you're making a huge difference, and, and I salute you and congratulate you for that. Thanks, Adele. My pleasure. And I have one more thing to say, and I have to say to my listeners that this interview was recorded on the 11th of September 2015, about one week ahead of the Rugby World Cup 2015, being hosted in England, or Great Britain actually, not England, and I have to say, go the All Blacks! (laughs) 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 I hope we win and for those that don't know what I'm talking about the All Blacks are the rugby national team of New Zealand and we're better than the Australian team right now so we're hoping to retain the shield
1: you can mock me all day, but I, I, the, key, the palms are going to mock me a lot more for the cricket recently. That was a shame. Oh, yes. <laughs> Don't you me started
0: on that. No, 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 no. We'll stop right there. That's yes. very funny. We've had a good <laughs> laugh at that one. Look, it's just been delightful talking to you, Mark. Thank you so much. And I wish you great success with, with your business, because I really, really like what you're doing, not just in, in business, but what you're doing for, for communities in, in Philippines, which we didn't have a lot of time to talk about today. And perhaps I'll get you on again to, to talk about that.
1: Thanks, Adele. No worries at all.
0: I'll talk to you again soon. See ya. Bye.